This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 4th, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. What can constrain U.S. adventures abroad? Robert Higgs believes some of the tales of U.S. hegemony have been overblown, believing that the U.S. is still constrained somewhat. But Higgs, author of books like Crisis and Leviathan, says the Federal Reserve has made profligate spending and war-making cheaper for politicians, and the institution deserves the added scrutiny it is now receiving. We spoke at Cato University last week. How central do you think the role of voter preference is uh, when it comes to American foreign policy? Um, Are voters clamoring for a foreign policy that looks like the one we have? or are they insulated from the costs via debt uh, in, in, in a large, large way so that it's more of like a second-tier thing? They, they would care about it if, if the costs affected them more. Uh, I, I think, in general, uh, the American public takes little interest in uh, foreign affairs uh, uh, except when some extraordinary event is taking place and when a war is beginning or a large war is being fought and especially of course if uh, if uh, a lot of Americans are being killed that's the most important thing for getting the general public's attention uh, if uh, if a lot of other people are being killed they may still have little interest in that that's been the case in the Iraq War, of course. Uh, there's been a great deal of reporting on and uh, talking about the number of American uh, military personnel who've died, but, but of course, they're a tiny fraction of the number of Iraqis who've uh, lost their lives as a result of the war and the occupation. But very few Americans uh, are, are much concerned about uh, those other people. Uh, And, uh, of course, if the war is very, very expensive and uh, the public can make a connection between that great expense and some burdens they they are bearing, then they will uh, pay attention for that reason as well. But but that has much uh, less uh, significance than the loss of American lives. But uh, the public's uh, views on war... Are, are much more likely to be dependent variables than they are independent variables, uh, largely because people are, are removed from the scene of the action. All of these U.S. wars take place over there, somewhere where Americans have no firsthand uh, observations uh, to, to employ and uh, use as the basis for judgments. And so they're, they're hostage to what they're told especially what they're told by American uh, government leaders. And that means they they don't get accurate information. They get, in fact, systematically distorted information. And when they form judgments, they they are pretty much the dog that's being wagged by the tail of the political leadership. Given the accretion of power in Washington since the end of the Cold War and uh, what we know about public choice theory, after Iraq, what are the prospects of a restrained foreign policy uh, from the U.S.? I don't see any prospect right now for a substantial change in the conduct of American foreign policy. Of course, there's an expectation that that the, the U.S. will disengage at some glacial pace from its uh, military uh, involvement in Iraq, but uh, I think what we're going to see is that that disengagement will be small 
and very slow and, and possibly even reversed if something goes wrong. And at the same time, uh, the Obama administration is committed to, to substantially increasing the U.S. military involvement in Afghanistan. So, so all in all, particularly uh, bringing in what's happening uh, in Pakistan, uh, there, there's very little change uh, from the Bush uh, policy of uh, military engagement in that part of the world and, and what the Obama administration is doing now. Is there anything special about the foreign policy of democracies as, compo- as, as compared to other countries? Well, there's a, there's a great doctrine of democratic peace that many academics uh, believe, and uh, the idea is that uh, democratic uh, nation states don't fight each other. Uh, but that's uh, not a lot of help when uh, they may spend a lot of time fighting uh, other nations that are not democratic. And, uh, of course, the United States specializes in that. Uh, there's considerable doubt about the theory of democratic peace, even historically. Uh, there's still a lot of debate on the on the issue among uh, specialists and historians. So I'm not, I'm I'm an agnostic about the standard theory of the democratic uh, peace, but uh, but uh, I I recognize that it, it it's not important in a way whether it's true or not because there are plenty of non-democratic countries to be attacked by the United States uh, uh, in the world uh, we live in now. So uh, the, uh, the, the idea that somehow we, we could make uh, countries like Iraq into democracies and thereby ensure peaceful relations with them, I think is foolish in the extreme because real, real democracy is not made that way. It's made over long periods of time by slow changes in political culture above, above all. And, and that kind of change can't be uh, imposed on anybody at uh, gunpoint. Justin Logan at the Cato Institute is working on a, a paper on uh, American uh, primacy sort of since the Cold War and the polarity that has sort of vanished uh, around the world regarding uh, power. And uh, what he concludes is, is very troubling. And it's, it's, it's not something that uh, that. I enjoy contemplating, but it is the idea that we don't have a great power constraining uh, U.S. adventurism abroad, and he sadly concludes that the things that might actually end up constraining uh, the, the struggle for a greater power of the United States around the world are actually entitlement spending and uh, other things that we also don't really want to contemplate. What do you think of that? Uh, first of all, the idea of uh, American hegemony is a little bit uh, overblown. Uh, we're still constrained by other other countries uh, to some extent. Uh, obviously, the world is different now than it was during the Cold War when uh, there was a very tense conflict between heavily armed superpowers. Uh, but uh, but we're still constrained. The Soviet Union still has thousands of nuclear-armed missiles, which could be retargeted uh, at our cities in a matter of a few minutes. So the Soviet Union cannot be dismissed when we make foreign policy decisions. Now, because of the economic situation of the of the Russians now, 
they are a, a little more vulnerable, I think, to being pushed around than they were in the days of communism. But, uh, but there's still a limit there. And I think one of the mistakes that has been made repeatedly in the past 20 years is to treat the Russians with contempt. Uh, that's an extremely risky and stupid way to deal with the Russians, in my estimation. Uh, they're they're, they're a, a, a potentially extremely dangerous uh, power, and, and uh, they should be treated with that fact uh, borne in mind. Uh, other countries, such as the Chinese, are important not simply because they, too, have some military punch at their disposal, but because uh, in, in economic relations we've become uh, intimately involved with the Chinese. And, and again, it would be extremely stupid to, to bring some kind of military threat to bear against them in areas where they uh, see strategic importance at stake. So. So it behooves the United States to, to remember that it really is not all-powerful, even though the Cold War is over, and, and in, in some sense the United States is the winner of that Cold War. Here at Cato University, you talked a little bit about the role of money and uh, the Federal Reserve in essentially financing wars. Do you sense that this idea is going to have more currency now. It's sort of pulling back the veil and saying, "Look, this is this is part of what is uh, allowing this this type of profligacy with regard to uh, U.S. military." Do you think that that idea is is gaining currency? Somewhat. Uh, it's hard to hard to judge uh, how how far the idea has spread. Uh, I, I, my best guess is not very far. Uh, most people, of course, don't know anything. They, they take no interest in politics and political matters beyond a kind of glance at the TV news from time to time. But, but among people who pay some attention to politics, I would say even there, the number who, who, who appreciate in some fairly accurate way the connection between the Fed and the financing of American military activity and warfare is still probably a pretty small fraction, but, but I believe it is growing. Uh, and more importantly, perhaps, uh, I think uh, many more people have become aware just in the past year of the Fed, uh, gained some appreciation of what it does and, and the power that it, that it holds in its hands by the way it makes uh, monetary policy. Because uh, in the past year, the Fed has done a multitude of things that it had never done before. And it's been in the news a great deal on the front page, and, and an immense amount of talk has uh, gone on on television about uh, Federal Reserve actions. So, so unless you are a politically apathetic person who just doesn't pay attention at all, by now you're, you're much more aware of the Fed than, than, uh, than 90% of the people were uh, a year ago. So in that sense, uh, this will spill over to some extent on people's gaining an appreciation of the importance of the Fed for any government purpose, whether it's uh, war making or imperialism or, or economic bailouts or, or, or just covering the regular budget. So I, I, I think this is a, a kind of excellent positive effect of these troubles we're having right now is that uh, certainly nobody wants these troubles, but if we have to have them, 
and, and they are the vehicle by which people come to understand the relationship between the Fed and the, the United States government, then so much the better, because this is absolutely critical to understanding how the government operates. Robert Higgs is editor of the Independent Review at the Independent Institute and author of the books Crisis and Leviathan, and more recently, Depression, War, and Cold War. You can learn more about Cato University at cato.org.